this class is uh, doubt, confusion, and hope in your worst nightmare. Um, by the way, if you see a seat, you can walk in front of me. If there's space over there to stand, I'm not going to be offended. Um, I kind of thought about this. As I was preparing for this, I see that the word um, confuse or confusion is a word I use a lot. And I heard something from a sermon I was listening to uh, that kind of brought this thought to mind, just to kind of introduce with. Think about how confused Satan had to have been with the cross. Satan, from the time that Jesus was born, uh, wanted to kill Jesus. I mean, from the time that he was in Bethlehem, uh, Satan was trying to kill Jesus. And then 33 years into Jesus' life, Satan kills Jesus, or Jesus dies. (laughs) And Satan has effectively ruined himself through the death of Jesus. And so... um, so I think whenever the Lord does something redemptive in the light of suffering, um, it has to be extremely frustrating and confusing to Satan. And so as I pray, um, I hate Satan. So let's pray that Jesus will be exalted and Satan will be just incredibly frustrated by what the Lord might do here um, in this class. So let's pray. Jesus, um, I am... Uh, very, very weak, and I pray, Lord, that you would be very, very strong. I pray, Lord, that uh, that you would be exalted, Lord. I pray that all of us, that we would be comforted by your Holy Spirit. I pray that we would be faithful to the text, Lord, and um, I pray that we would walk out of here filled with life, filled with hope, filled with peace, filled with joy that's all rooted in the person of Jesus and in his truth. I ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to start out with... Um, Again, this is this is the class number two. This is doubt and confusion and hope in your worst nightmare. The next class, which is not next week, it'll be the next week, um, will be uh, joy in your worst nightmare, how, how the tendency of God to turn sorrow into joy. And so uh, I'm going to open with the same caveats I opened with last week. One, uh, we're, I'm still very early in this process. My son, it's not even the three-month mark yet. That'll be this week um, that Cam died. So I can only speak to how God has sustained me for the first three months. Um, secondly, um, we, because we can kind of, because I can be composed here, I don't want you to get the wrong idea that I have it composed behind closed doors because we are, ex- we, you know, extraordinarily sorrowful almost all the time. And then the third caveat is that I speak only for myself. I'm not speaking for Lauren. I'm not speaking for anyone else who's been in this situation. I can only speak from my perspective of how God has sustained me over the last three months. Um, the purpose of this class is that we would have a biblical, comfortable concept of doubt and confusion in our suffering. Uh, that we would have, uh, that we would feel freedom to be confused. We feel freedom to have doubts, um, knowing that God accepts us, and knowing that we're sinners who just really can't quite get it. And uh, if there are kind of three things I would want you to get out of this class. One is that doubt and faith can coexist. Um, The second thing is that uh, hope is not dependent upon your circumstances. And uh, thirdly, that in your doubt and your confusion, the thing that you need to do is you actually need to lean into God rather than run away from God. So those are kind of the three kind of bottom line things um, that I hope will be communicated through this. Um, So when it comes to doubt and confusion, and by the way, where we're going with this class is we're going to do the book of Habakkuk today. We'll do the whole book of Habakkuk. And you can walk out of here and say, I love Habakkuk. And you can sound like such a sophisticated Christian. Um, 
and you know your friends are talking about how they love John and Romans, you can be like, you know what brings it home for me is Habakkuk. <laughs> All right? Okay? That's because that's what we're, well, we just want to sound sophisticated at Starbucks in line, right? Um, that's that's the bottom line. Um, but anyhow, and so we have we're going to read through it. It's a it's a it's a conversation, it's an interchange between God and Habakkuk and Jack and Jack Fitzpatrick Turner Hole. Uh, Jack's going to play the role of Habakkuk. Turner's going to play the role of God. And uh, I would just like to say, uh, look how progressive we are. God is a woman, okay? So anyone wants to talk about how narrow-minded and conservative the Advent is, I want you to remember the day that God was a woman here in the assembly hall, all right? Okay, so anyhow, um, but just as introductory thoughts here as as it pertains to doubt and confusion, um, we tend to... We, we, as human beings, we tend to kind of have an imbalanced view one way or the other when it comes to doubt and confusion. Um, one, on one end, a lot of times we can go to an extreme of doubt where it's like, we just don't know, we don't know anything. And, and particularly when we talk about theology, people can just be like, it's all a mystery. We just don't know anything. And that's one end. That, that's, that's not true. Like, God has revealed everything that is sufficient to us about his character, about salvation, about morality through Christ and through his word. So we don't have to go to that extreme where we just don't know anything. That's not true at all. Uh, The Bible says that his word is sufficient. Um, On the other end, we can go to an extreme theologically where we have an answer for everything, answer for every single thing, and, and that God just doesn't speak on a lot of topics. There are a lot of things we just don't know. What happens to the people in the jungle who never heard about Jesus? We don't know. We, there's nothing in the Bible that tells us an answer to that. And where we get into trouble is when people try to come up with an answer for something where Scripture does not speak. So theologically, we can be imbalanced either way. Um, in terms of our life experience, uh, a lot of times people want to come up with an answer of why God did this. Why did this happen? Why did God do that? And I think we're probably in more danger when we try to come up with answers and put words in God's mouth. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is when Jerry Falwell, after 9-11, said that the reason 9-11 happened was because of the lapsed sexual morality of the United States and because of abortion. That's why God did this. That is, that's sinful. He's speaking on behalf of God. Um, he does not know why God allowed that to happen. And so uh, I, I watched a video uh, that Lyle Dorsett, who's a professor at Beeson, did about he, he lost a child when she was, I think, 9 or 10 years old. And someone said to him, and certainly they had good intentions, but they said, well, you know, God just needed another angel in heaven. You know, I know everyone's like, holy cow. Um, and that person was trying to comfort him, I'm sure. Not only is that answer completely theologically incorrect, but on top of that, to like come to someone and have like a, a s- oversimplified, tight little explanation of why your child died, that is just, that's, uh, that's just not proper. Um, uh, and so with that being said, you know, in all of the things that happened to us, good and bad, um, there is just a lot of uncertainty. Now, we can see fruit that comes. We can see good things that the Lord works in our suffering. But as far as coming up with a tight, complete answer on why this happened, 99% of the time, we just really don't know. And we have to just kind of live in the comfort uh, that God is good and that God is just and God is loving and uh, and, and, and know that we'll find out in heaven. So, um, so that's just... A little bit of an introduction there to what we're talking about here with, um, with doubt and, and confusion as it pertains to our relationship with God. One other thing to say is if we really believe the gospel um, and we really have a biblical understanding of, of human beings, uh, we, should, we should be very comfortable with doubt. <laughs> 
because the Bible describes us as sheep. Sheep are, you know, sheep are not smart. Um, and you know, when we look at Job and his interaction with God in Job 38, where Job's, you know, Job is railing against God. He's kind of at the end of his rope, and he says, you know, he's just does not understand it. God says, you know, to Job, you know, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Uh, tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon you? Or, or where, where its base is sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? You know, God is, as my uh, smarter friend Mark Genelette said, he is rebuking Job for the way that he comes to him, but he's also restoring Job. He's also bringing Job into, into truth. Like, hey, Job, like, I made the world. You're a human being. You, there's just a big gap in our level of understanding. And so if we really, um, I think a lot of times there's, we have a lot of shame with doubt and confusion. And if we understand the gospel and we have a proper view of man, then of course we're going to have doubt. Of course we're going to have confusion. We're not God. We're not expected to be God. Our sin is rooted in the idea of us trying to be God. So if, um, so we should be a lot more comfortable with our confusion, knowing that the Lord accepts us and that, knowing that we're sinners who really need the Lord. All right, so with that said, we're going to start with Habakkuk. And um, Habakkuk is a short, short book of the Bible. It's right there. It's right there in, on your seat. And um, I, uh, to give you a little bit of context, he's one of the minor prophets, and he is speaking at a time when Israel has completely gone to pot. And, you know, Israel, you know, they, they established the kingdom of Israel with Saul, and then there's David, and then there's Solomon, and then the kingdom starts to divide. And, uh, you know, you have the, king, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, and the northern kingdom was always messed up. They, they generally always had problems. The southern kingdom kind of had a, a slow downturn. And you see, you know, as you go through the chronicles and through the, the kings, uh, things just continue to get worse. And there are some, you know, redemptive figures in there, but generally... By the time that the Babylonian captivity or judgment or invasion and captivity occurs, um, the, the climate in Israel is awful. To give you one ex- example, Habakkuk's hard to put a date on him, but uh, you know, a- around his general time, King Manasseh, uh, some of the wonderful things he did was establish pagan altars in the, uh, in the temple. He sacrificed two of his children, burned two of his children to Moloch, a pagan god, and this was, you know, the king of Israel. This was the person who set the tone. And so Habakkuk is utterly confused about how bad things are in Israel and um, how is a holy and just God allowing this to happen. And so that, that's, that's going to be kind of what you're going to see with, here with the prophet. A couple of things to notice here is look how personal this book of the Bible is. Look how honest the prophet is with God. And look how God responds to him. Um, Look at the coexistence, how he, he has confidence in the Lord, but he also has a lot of doubt in what's going on. He's utterly confused. Um, and then uh, you'll notice, too, this, this, the, the root of his, his con- confusion is the character. He, he knows what the character of God is, but he sees an awful world. And he just does not, he sees a contradiction there. And he does not see how a perfect, just, loving God is there. And there's a world that is just so broken and so wicked and, and, and so painful. And so that's the root of it. So we're going to start out with um, uh, Habakkuk. Would you like to read this first section here? <coughs> oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see inquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. 
so the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice is, goes forth perverted. Um, so, to start out here, you can see here that Habakkuk uh, calls on O Lord. He's using the covenant name of God. That's important because God has made these promises. He's made these covenants. And that is, that is the name of God that he's addressing here in, in this part. And then he goes on to say, God, you, you, you don't hear me. Like, like, you will not save. Uh, where are you? This is effectively what he is saying. He is saying, where are you, God? He says, you sit by idly. See, justice, and in the NIV it says, justice never prevails. And so you can see Habakkuk is saying, he is so confused. And he feels, he really does kind of feel abandoned. This is very kind of existential kind of lament that he has. He is saying, I don't, have you abandoned us? Are you hearing anything that I'm saying? And certainly, especially if you're a person who's endured like a chronic suffering, you know, where you have a child who just continues to make a wreck of their life, or you know someone, you have a family member who has a chronic illness and it's getting worse. I'm, I'm, I, you know, the cry is like, well, are you hearing anything that I'm saying? Like, where are you? And that's kind of the initial cry that he has. Here's what God says back to Habakkuk. And this, this, is, this is very surprising. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing work in your days that you would not believe is told. Okay, now stop there for one second. Um, he says, I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Okay? So when you hear that, your expectation is, here comes redemption. Here comes restoration. Everything's going to be great. You know? If God told us at this church that God was going to do a work that we would not believe, we would be like, tons of people are going to be coming to church. Tons of people are going to be embracing Jesus. The only problem that the vestry is going to have is do we build a balcony in the sanctuary, right? <laughs> That's what we're expecting, okay? So... Here, you know, we, we tend to think like, oh, when God's at work, then that means things are getting more comfortable, things are apparently more prosperous, things are going our way, right? Okay, well, this is what God has to say to Habakkuk. It's the wonderful thing he's about to do. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, the bitter hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not therein. They are dreaded and fearsome, their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like eagles, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives and like a sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up the earth and take it. They sweep by like wind and go on, guilty men, whose own might is their God. Okay, so here's what God has to say. Like, Habakkuk, I hear your prayers, and I'm doing something. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send the Babylonians, and they're going to come. And they're, the, they're you know, one of the most ferocious, militant nations on the face of the planet. And I'm going to send them, and they're going to judge your people. And, you know, you've seen all this corruption in your country. And Habakkuk, you know, in the first part, his, his lament is with the corruption of his own people. Okay, he's like, God, we're your chosen people, and look, like, wid- people will steal widows' homes, and they'll go to judges, and they'll bribe them, and no justice. They won't do anything to help them. There is, you know, worship of pagan gods in the temple. There are people sacrificing their own children to Moloch. We are completely depraved, everything I see. And so God says, oh, I- I hear, I'm hearing your prayers, and I'm going to send the <laughs> Babylonians to conquer your people. And he describes just how big and bad and ferocious 
the, uh, the Babylonians are. And um, uh, what was I going to say? And anyhow, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a very confusing answer that this is the answer to his prayer. This is the solution that God has found to his lamentation. And, um, you know, I think for me in this process, uh, the, the biggest confusion I have or lament that I'll have, and it's not, it's, it's like, why does it have to be this way? You know, why is it, um, why is it that for the world to be redeemed, it seems like suffering and pain always precedes redemption? Uh, why is it? I mean, we, we, we get so caught, if you're, a, if you're you know, a person who's grown up or in the church context, we talk about the cross so much that we kind of become a little bit inoculated to what we're talking about. But the cross is an instrument of torture. It is, an, it is an instrument for execution. The salvation of the world comes through, you know, a man who is perfect, being falsely accused, falsely sentenced, uh, tortured, and executed. You know, that, that, that is very, that, that's, that's confusing. Uh, awkward moment, but circumcision. Like, okay, the way we're going to mark out that we are your people is we're going to do a very painful surgery on a very sensitive area of a little of a child. I know that's really awkward, but um, but let's call a spade a spade. You know, let's call a spade a spade. That's for us. That's weird. That that that's a little bit weird, and it's confusing. But I don't know why. Like I don't know why it is um, that way. You two puts great words on this in the in the the uh, song Yahweh. Says, you know, the chorus over and over again is Yahweh, Yahweh. Um, why the pain before a child is born? Uh, tell me now, why the dark before the dawn? Um, and and so, the, you know, this whole pattern of God, there seems to be suffering in the in the fallen world, in God's work to redeem it all. It seems that suffering almost always precedes redemption. And I don't understand why. And I, I will get it in heaven, but I don't get it now. But, you know, if, if you, in your, in your worst nightmare, in your day of suffering, um, if, you, if the question why is not coming up, then you're probably not in touch with reality. I don't know why that my child dying at age three is part of God's world to redeem it. But it is. And I will just, I'm going to have to live in doubt or live in confusion on that one until I see Jesus face to face. Um, Habakkuk, come back at God. What do you have to say back to God? Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are the pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them with his hook and drags them up with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Mm. All right, so first off, 
the first thing that Habakkuk says is he starts to go through this litany remembering God's character. God, you're everlasting, you're eternal. God, you're holy. God, you're so pure that you cannot look on evil. Um, God, you are a rock. Um, you are the creator. You've made covenants. You, we shall not perish. You've made promises to us. And so you're going to send these people who are the worst people in the world, like the Babylonians. If you, used to, if you used to watch college football in the 1980s and you would watch the Miami Hurricanes, you were like, God, how are you letting the Miami Hurricanes dominate? <laughs> because they were so arrogant. They were so flamboyant. They were so corrupt. And they would annihilate everyone and dance on top of them. Obviously, that is like, you know, way, way below here. But, you know, the Babylonians, they were, they were not at the peak of their power at this point. They were at the peak of their power when they conquered Israel. But they were rising, and they had a reputation of being the baddest boys on the block. And he's like, wait a minute, God, I know we're bad. But, I mean, they, the Israelites looked on the Babylonians like they were savages. He's like, you're going to let those savages come and conquer us? Wait a minute, I have heard of your holy character, and you're going to let this happen? You're a just God, and you're going to let them do this to us? So he is utterly, um, utterly confused. He's saying, like, basically, this is, it's like law of the jungle out there. You know, the, 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 the big fish eat the large fish, but th- this is, that's the animal kingdom. This isn't people, and you're ordaining this. You're allowing this to happen. Very, very confusing. But here's the thing we really want to pay attention to is what is his reaction? He goes, he says at the end, he says, I will take my stand at the watchtower and station myself on the tower. And look out to see what he will say to me, and what what I will answer, and what I will answer concerning my, what I will answer concerning my complaint. So here's the thing, you know, it's ambiguous about Habakkuk's tone, in the way he addresses God. Um, he may have had a little bit of an attitude. He may have. But here's the thing: when you stand at a watchtower, um, you are looking out with the expectation that someone is going to come. One of two things is going to come. Either my enemy's going to come or the sun's going to come. But something's coming while I'm on the watchtower. There's an expectation. Um, and he, um, he's expecting to be rebuked. But here's the thing. Habakkuk does not run away from God in the midst of this. He does not just say, like, this is crazy. I'm done with this God stuff. He leans into the Lord in his time of confusion, in his time of doubt. Um, and this is, not, this is not an unprecedented thing in the Bible. When you look at the laments of David, David in Psalm 110, uh, verse 1, he says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away from me? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? So, you know, David is accusing God of, of abandoning him, of leaving him in the worst time, of, of, of kind of betraying him. But he's addressing it to God. He's being honest with God. Like when in, our, in the moment of our worst nightmare, when we are suffering so much, God is big enough for us to express our honest doubts to him. And we certainly, obviously, we recognize that he is a holy God to whom you know, we are accountable. And at the same time, he understands what's going on in us, and we do not have to run away, nor do we have to kind of just tuck away our questions. But what we need to do is we need to go to the Lord with those questions. Um, you know, and, and let me, a little story here. Uh, so about three and a half weeks after Cam died, um, we, uh, Mary Matthews was teething, and it was like, it was like the worst case of teething in the history of the world. Um, if you don't have kids, you're going to, mm, teething, boy, it's bad. But anyhow, so Mary Matthews, of course, every night around 1 o'clock at night in the morning is waking up and crying because her teeth hurt. 
And, um, you know, there's only so much you can do to console a teething baby. And so anyhow, one night, I, we're so tired and um, just exhausted. And Mary Matthews cried from 10, 30, 11. Like from the moment we put our head on the pillow until like 4 in the morning. And I am doing everything I can to, um, doing everything I can to console her. I'm praying. I'm rebuking the devil. I'm doing everything, everything in the Christian playbook to, to, to make this stop. And finally, around 4 o'clock, I've had it. I do what the pediatrician tells you to do. I put Mary Matthews in the crib, say, love you. Just going to have to step out for a second. Um, and I go into the den at 4 o'clock, and I have a pillow. And I am slamming the pillow over and over again on the couch. And I am literally looking up in the sky, and I am shaking my fist at God. And I'm like, hey, look, man, we've got a lot on our plate. All right? Do we really need teething right now? You know? And I'd like to say it was that civil, but it wasn't. And so God bless my, 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 my wonderful, uh, godly, solid wife. She comes out, and, you know, I weigh twice as much as she does, but she's like, sit down right now. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, she's like, hey, look, I mean, I understand it, but, like, God is the only, is the only thing we have to stand on right now. It's like, if, we're, if you're going to turn your back on God, like, or walk out on him, like, we're, we're done. And, um, and it was, it was it's absolutely true. I think what I was doing and going to the Lord was a good thing. And at the same time, we have to remember, if you walk away from the Lord, who is going to redeem you? Like, who's going to heal you? Who's going to turn your sorrow into joy? Who is going to restore you? Like, there's no one. There's nothing in the world that's going to. Only God can. And so in these moments of confusion, A, we do need to go to the Lord. And B, we need to remember, if we walk away from him, we have no hope whatsoever. We have no hope whatsoever. He is the only one who can redeem us. And so, um, and so anyhow, well, it looks like Habakkuk is maybe not, not being a proper Christian. He really is really walking in the way that I think the Lord would call us. All right, next. God, what, is Habakkuk, what do you say to Habakkuk? And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who read it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is a wide as shield. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects all his own as his own all peoples. Shall not at least take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who keeps up what is not his own, for how long? And loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise? And those who awake will make you tremble. Then you will spoil, be spoiled for him, because you have plundered many nations. All the remnants of the people shall plunder you. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities, and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off the many peoples. You have fortified your life, so the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork respond. 
Where to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city of iniquity. Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire. The nations weary themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, and the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk. In order to gaze in their nakedness, you will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of, and, of man and violence of the earth to cities and all who dwell in them. What profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it a mental or metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in him his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake! To silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, but there is no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Okay, thank you. Okay, so Jesus, uh, sorry, God comes back to Habakkuk. And he says, write this down. Get out of template. Now keep in mind, this is not modern day where we have you know, a legal pad and a pen next to us all the time. If God is saying, write this down, that means that this is something important because it's not like writing utensils and, and material for documentation are, um, are you know, all over the place in the 7th century. So this is, a, this is a point of emphasis that he wants him to write down, probably for him to remember, but also we know now for us here in 2014 to be reading it and knowing it as well. Um, but he says, first off, um, wait for it. Okay, wait there's an appointed time, wait. And what we have to understand is one of the pieces of the puzzle we don't get is God's timing. His timing, the, 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 the like slowness of, of his work of redemption is very, very different than our sense of timing. We want answers and we want them now. We want justice, we want it now. We want healing, we want it now. God's, as my, as my pastor said to me in Charlotte, the love of God is slow, very slow. <laughs> And so he goes on and he says, he's giving him these reassurances. He says, look, Habakkuk, you know, um, the just will live by faith. And, and then he goes on to kind of talk about the arrogance of the Babylonians. And, you know, I understand here when he's talking about faith, it's well, a lot of times we think about faith as an intellectual assent to a set of doctrinal propositions. Okay, that is a part of faith. Like, you know, accepting God's truth is a part of faith. But saving faith, the kind of faith that saves us and sustains us, is dependence. It is dependence on God. And so part of, part of what he is saying here is that you need to con- you continue to live by faith. Continue to depend on me in this. And he goes on and he says, woe, woe, you know, over and over again. Woe is a very strong word. It means you are utterly ruined. Like, woe to the Babylonians, uh, Habakkuk. They're going to get theirs. And they're going to get theirs big time. Woe to them. Like, woe to the person who walks in arrogance by self-reliance and, uh, and who, who does not trust in me and who perpetuates all this wickedness and all this injustice. Like, they will get theirs. I'm going to bring the thunder. Bring the thunder. Wow, here we are coaching football again. Um, but I, you know, but I, I will. There will be justice, Habakkuk. Um, and uh, and he, you know, he goes on to, to kind of reassure him of that. Um, 
One thing uh, that is critical to see here as it pertains to this timing is uh, God does judge the Babylonians. Um, and it's probably over 100 years after Habakkuk dies. So this promise that God makes to Habakkuk, no way he ever sees it. He never sees it happen in his lifetime. And, um, you know, that is, a, that is a comfort to me um, in this time of <laughs> doubt and confusion is the, the purpose and point in our suffering, the purpose and point in my situation, I see, I see lots of fruit from it. Uh, day in day out, praise the Lord. But I don't have a. But the, the like the major point and purpose in it could be is probably way beyond my lifetime. And we just again have to bring ourselves back in, back into a cog, um, consciousness that our our timing is so different. We are just a little piece of the puzzle um, in God's big plan. Think about all the generations of Israelites who are in slavery. Hundreds and hundreds of years of Israelites in slavery before God ever did the work of deliverance through Moses to bring them out of Israel. And so, um, so that's, I don't know, that's a, that's a comfort and it's a help to me. Um, sorry. And hey, one other thing here too that he says, and just kind of throws it in there. Um, I don't understand how it fits in structurally, but he says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. All right, that is pointing to the second coming of Christ. Um, that is where all hope flows out of. All hope flows out of the second coming of Christ. Every single thing that is wrong will be made right when Jesus returns. Everything that is sorrowful will be redeemed. Everything that is broken will be, will be healed when Jesus returns. Certainly we have some hope that God can do redemption and healing in this life, but ultimately you're, you're primary hope uh, as far as God doing something comes in the second coming. And that is that having a living a life where you are conscious of Christ's return is, uh, is a sanctifying, hopeful thing uh, to know that, that this is, this is a temporary situation, not going to be this way forever. Um, Last thing here, the last thing that the Lord says to Habakkuk in this, in this uh, discourse is, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. That's his way of saying, I am still in control. I am still sovereign. Uh, the, you know, the, the, I, did not, I did not all of a sudden abdicate my throne. Like, you, and, and, and let the world be silent before him. That is a, that's a powerful statement. So the last thing he says. All right, so the last thing, and I want you to see, notice the difference from where Habakkuk started to where Habakkuk is now um, as, as, this, uh, as he reads this last part. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your word, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timon, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he revealed his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tenets of cushion and affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Your anger against the rivers? Or your indignation against the seas? 
when you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation, you stripped the sheath from your bow, calling it for many arrows. Selah, you split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging water swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place, at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went, on, you went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the horse of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck, Selah. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trample the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. A quick time out right there. So he has gone through, He's what this is, and I'm going to be honest with you, if I hadn't read lots of commentary, I'd have no idea what he was saying here. But um, by the way, all the people who teach, like none of, none of us are smart. We just read a lot of commentary because that's what we're paid to do. But, um, but anyhow, he's going through this litany of things that God has done in the past. Uh, these are allusions to when God um, delivers Israel from Egypt. It's allusions to God sustaining uh, the Israelites in the promised land. It's a reference to God bringing Joshua and the people into the, sorry, sustaining the people in the wilderness and then bringing Joshua, bringing the people into the promised land. So he's remembering what God has done in the past. So he is, by remembering what, what the Lord has done for his people, and for us, remembering the cross, th- this is the kind of the starting point of him being restored. He's remembering, oh, the Lord is faithful. The Lord is good. Uh, the Lord is for me. He is on my side. Okay? So the first thing he's doing there is remembering. Keep on going. I hear my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound, rottenness enters into my bones, my legs tremble beneath me, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Okay, so this is effectively what Habakkuk is saying. He is saying, my circumstances are terrible, and they're only going to get worse. Okay, it's bad right now, but you know, in his mindset, he thinks the Babylonians could be coming any time. And, um, and so his, he is looking at his life, he is looking at his circumstances, and it's awful. But the last word that he has is that I will rejoice in the Lord. I will have joy in the Lord. Okay? And what an absolutely powerful thing that he has been in relationship with God. He has remembered the character of God. He has remembered the things that God has done in the past. And he says, I will quietly wait for my enemy. And I I am at peace. I have hope. Now, he does say that his body is quivering. Like he is, my lips quiver, um, my body trembles. I am afraid. I am sick to my stomach. And in my soul, because I know that the Lord is for me, and because I know the character of God, I have peace and I have hope. And that right there, my friends, that is the power of Christianity, the power of knowing Jesus that you cannot buy. That your circumstances are awful, but you can still have hope because you know the character of God. 
My circumstances, they are terrible right now. They are awful. Um, even worse, even worse than what you know on the surface. And I still have, I really still have hope. I really do. I'm still content with my life. I'm not, I'm not, um, I am. I really am content with my life. And it is 100% entirely because the Lord is with me. And I'll, I'll say this, I can handle suffering. I can't handle life without hope. I can't handle life without peace. And circum- you cannot get hope and peace from your circumstances. It's just not, it's just not, uh, it's not stable. It's not reliable. You're just, just like this, circumstances go up and down. There's feast and famine, there's failure, there's pain. But when your peace and your hope is flowing out of your relationship with God, when it is flowing out of the, the character of God, when it is flowing out of the, the hope um, of the Lord's work today and the Lord's work in the second coming, like you have, you have something that can sustain you and you have something that can help you make it um, through your worst nightmare. That's a, that's a big thanks be to God. Uh, let's pray. Um, Jesus, we are grateful that you are for us and that you are with us. And I pray, um, I pray that we would know you more deeply. I pray that you'd reassure us of your character. I pray for all the different sufferings in this room, God, that um, you would speak to us at um, the very heart and the very deepest place of them. And um, we love you and we trust you. And we pray that your name would be honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.